Is your business plan very unclear and you're tirelessly working at a low-paying career? Let's help you get out of the rut and let go of the fear. It's time to excel into the million-dollar stratosphere. Now, here's your host of The Balanced Millionaire, who will take you there, Eileen Mendel. show. I am Eileen Mendel, Executive Management Consultant, author, and speaker, and your host of this podcast. The show's mission is to inspire, empower, and educate business professionals to achieve higher levels in their lives and careers. Instead of stumbling, we can learn from those who have already gotten past the hurdles. My guests are intellectually stimulating and thought-provoking offering valuable insights to help you get ahead. If you'd like to be a sponsor or guest on my show, contact me at Eileen at thebalancemillionaire.com. And of course, you can always connect with me on Facebook and LinkedIn at The Balanced Millionaire, as well as my website, www.thebalancedmillionaire.com. So we have a very special guest for tonight's show. His name is Tony Bradshaw. And Tony uh, grew up in a lower-income neighborhood in Nashville, Tennessee. And then he realized as he was growing up that he was mismanaging his money and knew something needed to change. So at the age of 25, Tony made his millionaire choice, his choice to become a millionaire by the age of 40. And he did accomplish this goal in 2011. After gaining a bachelor's of science degree in mechanical engineering. Tony spent the first six years of his career as an engineer and a computer network administrator. In 2001, he switched directions and entered the financial education world as part of an internet business and development group, where he spent 16 years bringing financial education teaching and products to the online world. During his journey, Tony realized his own message and vision for helping people with their personal finances. So in June of 2017, Bradshaw began writing The Millionaire Choice with the vision of helping everyone he could, do, he could to become millionaires no matter their income, ethnicity, or financial situation. He aspires to create a movement of financially educated and wealthy people who will make it their mission to fight poverty and help those in need across America and the world. He calls it the Millionaire's Manifesto. And you can read more about that at www.themillionairechoice.com. So welcome, Tony, to our show tonight. Hey, thanks for having me on, Ali. Oh, you're welcome. And... Um, Tony, you're still in Tennessee, right? You still live in um, Tennessee. Yes, I sure do. I'm actually in Franklin. It's a suburb just outside of Nashville. My my dad actually lives still lives in the house I grew up in, so he's been there now about 48 years. Yeah, you have that um, Nashville accent. I'm a, 
also a fan of country music because I know that's the capital of country music. Uh, I just, you know, it's interesting um, that you think of, you know, uh, very famous people coming out of Nashville and making their millions, but also Nashville has a lot of poverty as well. You know, that's people don't realize that um, right outside of the area. Um, if you've ever been to Tennessee, you know, there's uh, quite a few um, people that are struggling. So you were one of those. You grew up in a family that was struggling. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a low-income family. And, you know, just like a lot of Americans do. And it kind of just repeated the same pr process or cycle that my parents were living in. You know, I woke up at age 25. But before that happened, you know, as a kid, you're, you're, your parents are struggling financially, but you're kind of oblivious to, to that in some aspects. Uh, we didn't have trouble putting food on the table. I mean, I don't remember ever going hungry. But uh, we quite often wouldn't pay the bills on time, and so there were bounce checks, and uh, you know we had to struggle to get the money together to pay bills like the electricity or the water bill. So it wasn't uncommon for our electricity or our water to get cut off, and uh, of course, you know, name brand, you know, clothing was not in my closet. I had the uh, the low income clothing, uh, pro wings, you know, the off brand jeans, whatever we could find, you know, and and not the the not the Nikes that you see everybody wearing today or what people buy. And, uh, you know, that was kind of just par for the course for us growing up. Well, it's interesting because my own family um, fled Germany during the Holocaust period and pretty much started from nothing. And um, so I can identify with some of the things that you're talking about. Um, it just, you know, buildings from, from nothing to, you know, and seeing that happen and then um, – wondering, you know, like, you know, how we're going to get out of this. And uh, one of the generations has to do what it would have, you know, you have to do to get out of that poverty situation. So um, you were 25 years old when you had this uh, financial awakening. Um, was that, you know, something that, you know, it was just triggered suddenly or you were just uh, finding that, you know, observing like your family and friends and family that surrounded you were also struggling and you wanted, you wanted to do something different. Well, for me, uh, no, I was kind of, what, what was my wake up call was I got my first W2 out of college. So, and uh, when I got that W2 and opened it, you know, you have to pay those taxes. The government wants that money from you. I looked at my W2 and I, I had made $39,000 that year and I couldn't believe it. You know, my jaw dropped, my eyes got big. I'm like, where in the heck did all that money go? Because it, you know, that was probably at least six times more money than I'd ever seen in my life, maybe more. But I, I just sat there and I remember looking at that that W two, going, man, that that money just it's out the door. I've got five hundred dollars in the bank. I was living in a studio bedroom apartment with my parents, uh, a pretty good sized little bedroom apartment, and you know, I had a stereo that was paid cash for, a nice television. I believed that you know a young man should invest in electronics because once he got married. His wife probably invested in furniture, and so I would invest in the electronics, and so that was my my plan. And um, you know, I financed a computer and financed a car, so I was about sixteen thousand dollars in debt. So, you know, when you add thirty nine thousand dollars in income and sixteen thousand dollars in debt, well, the way I looked at it was that was a fifty five thousand dollar move in the wrong direction, and a bad formula for my future. And so that was the wake up call that hit me, and I just decided at that point I could I could never do that again in the future. And I began learning everything I could about money, uh, you know, going to the bookstores and, and just reading, just reading and learning self self-development. Well, what's interesting 
is that I think a lot of, uh, I, I would say now they're, they're uh, in the generation that's in their 20s, are finding the same thing that you found out, you know, and we, we all went through in our 20s, what it's like to work for an employer and have all that, those taxes and SSI and all that stuff taken out of our paycheck. So we're down to, you know, like you said, um, just living from check to check. And that's, that's what happens, you know, and, and then you figure, you know, how are you going to get out of that situation? Um, so what sort of uh, things did you do? Did you try out? I know you ended up uh, working with an online company, but did you kind of brainstorm like, okay, I got to get out of this and what's my next step? Yeah. So after I did a little bit of study, I probably, you know, studied hard for about three months and then came up with a formula that I thought would work. And of course, you know, with the information you have at the time, you do the best you can do. And I really decided, you know, the number one thing was debt was my enemy. Like I did not like being in debt. I did not like writing uh, paycheck or writing checks for paying for my car every month. I think my car note is about a fourteen thousand dollar car, uh, Saturn SL two, nineteen ninety four, and uh, my car payment was about three hundred fifteen dollars a month at the time. And I just did not like doing that, and I didn't like paying for this these other credit cards. So my number one goal was to get out of debt, and then my number two goal was to put as much money as I could, uh, or at least a reasonable amount, back into investments. Uh, I started with mutual funds. I, I started doing auto drafts with mutual funds, just taking the money out every month, like consistently putting money back, and then uh, taking some other money and playing with individual stock investments. At that time, I was investing in Dell, Cirrix, uh, uh, AMD, uh, Intel. You know, I was a big tech. I was very heavily into tech, just looking into tech. So I, it's something I felt comfortable with, and so that's what I invested in. And uh, at the time, I was making you know small investments, but I was making good returns of about sixty to ninety percent about every nine months, six to nine months, and um, and it was just you know studying the market, seeing what products were coming out. But that with that little bit of information, um, I did the math on that, and I'm like, you know what, I I think if I can keep this up, if I keep putting this money back, if I get out of debt, I can actually become a millionaire by age forty. And, um, you know, your plans don't always work out the way you think they will, but at least you get started. And I think that's the biggest thing is just to try to do something different and to break to break free of the cycle. Right. And and um, did you find that it was just a lot more than, you know, just investing, but the whole, your whole mindset of the way you were handling money and and handling yourself and making choices? Yeah, I mean, for me, the the big choice was to you know invest, and what I mean by that is um, you got to keep more of your money than you're giving out, <laughs> or you're you're never going to go anywhere. And you know, it doesn't matter matter how much money you make. Um, even the richest people in the world, some of these people that you know, these celebrities that make you know half a million or half a billion dollars, you know, five hundred million in their lifetime, uh, those guys can end up broke just as well as you know people who are poor, and it's just because of mismanaging what they have. Now, there's several types of investing. There's real estate investing, investing in the you know, stock and bond markets, and there's also investing in yourself. Can you speak to all those things and tell us you know, how you kind of juggled that whole thing of where to put your money and you know, how to, um, you know, because people are wanting to know um, what percentage of your money and I know you, you said you mentioned the drip, you know, 
programs that you know you can do with mutual funds, et cetera. Um, but uh, how did you find out, you know, what percentages to to put in different areas of your life? Yeah, I think for me, the early stage, and of course, this evolved over the you know my fifteen year journey to become a millionaire. Um, you start with what you have available. So you know, fortunately. I went to college. Uh, education is very important when you look at the statistics of wealth. Um, your education is very valuable, but you have to make sure you don't overpay for your education because if you're going to make $35,000 a year with your education, it's probably not smart to go $100,000 in student loan debt. Um, that's not a good you know, cost justification of, the, of what you're paying out. So that's, that's a, a thing that you need to look at. For me, uh, as an engineer, I was fortunate to have a pretty good salary. And so I invested in myself with that four-year career, four-year of education, four-year education at college. And then at the time, you know, learning, I would say I didn't really like, I didn't really think of it this way, the way that you just said it, but you talk about investing in yourself. And so one of the first investments I made in myself out of college was studying to learn about computers. You know, it was the digital age. Uh, we were moving off of, you know, DOS and moving on to Windows and very few people knew about that, you know, it was the push for the computer age, and uh, I really gravitated towards that and started learning everything I could. I bought every magazine I could at the time about computers and just soaked up every bit of information I could get my hands on, and that just brought new opportunities to me. And then later, I invested more, um, bought some thousand-dollar software to uh, be able to begin internet programming or database programming online. And uh, yeah, and so I think it's very important. You know, you have to balance, like you said, uh, managing your money well, which is you know get out of debt so that you're not paying the banks, you know, more money than you're making. And then you have to do your investments, but you also have to invest in yourself because that increases your opportunities to increase your income, which makes everything a whole lot easier. Right, and I totally agree with you that investing in yourself is critically important part. Now. Uh, what was your next move after you invested in yourself? Just walk us through. Yeah, so it's kind of funny because at the time when I when I made my financial awakening or made my millionaire plan, I was making around $40,000 a year. And over the next five years, uh, my income increased a little, quite a bit, not a lot, but percentage-wise it was a little bit. But at the time, it was still enough to kind of keep me moving forward. So um about five years into that, my income, uh, let's see, got to about $47,000, but I had to work less hours. And I was that's when I had started getting into the computer age. And then that, because I had prepared myself, when opportunities came, I was able to make job changes. And of course, you know, statistically, you can, you know, make several jumps earlier in the, your career every two to three years, and you'll see your income go up, you know, maybe like five to 10% each jump, sometimes even 20% or more. And so um, my job change actually took my income down about 25%. Oh in two, yeah, in 2000. But that's what I needed to do to see the opportunity. And so I, I made a career change from engineering into the you know technology, digital age, into you know the web and the internet. But that brought with me a lot of opportunities. I was able to grow with the company that I joined and was able to see my income you know eventually hit six figures and, and continue to grow past that. And which, you know, coming from a low income family, if you had told me what a six figure income looked like, I would I wouldn't even been able to understand what you were saying at the time because I just was not wired to think that way. You know, I was making forty thousand dollars a year, which at the time was probably about five thousand dollars 
a, a year more than my mom and my dad were making. And so, you know, I thought I was rich because here I am at 25 and they're, you know, 45 and I'm making more money than they are. That felt like success to me. Now, um, pretty much when you jumped into the Internet online business, like back then, that was like the baby, you know, the, I mean, it was just an, a, an infant, so to speak, where the um, whole industry was just developing. So you had a basically um, it was based based on faith that it was going to grow and you were going to grow and your income was going to grow. I mean, was that a little scary when you made that transition? It, I would say it was. Um, now, for a couple of reasons, I made the jump because I absolutely loved uh, when I figured out that you could take data and put it in somewhere in somebody's computer across the ta- across the city and then pop up and bring it up on another screen somewhere else in another area. That to me was just so fascinating that you could share information that way. And so that's what drew me into the Internet is just this ability to manipulate data and information. And so when they always say, find something you love doing and then go chase that thing, um, I just happened to chase something that I loved that actually ended up paying out money, you know, later. Um, So So, so you followed your passion. I think that's a key, one of the keys uh, to becoming that millionaire. You had had faith in, you know, in your um, decision. You have, you know, it was a little scary. But you also had a passion that was driving you forward. Yeah, and I had I loved engineering, but I didn't really love my job that I had in the company I worked for, and so I just felt like there was a time for a change. And you have to, you know, when you want to make a step forward, you have to be willing to take on some risk. Um, it's always dangerous when you get too comfortable in a position or a place uh, because you tend to stagnate. And so it was just time for me. I think I was there about six and a half years, and it was just time for me to move on. Um, but but it was scary because I had a newborn baby. We were taking a 25% pay cut to take on this new job that I wasn't real sure I could do, and we couldn't afford health insurance. And so that, you know, for a new mom and a new dad, that, those are scary things to be facing. Um, but I just felt like it was something I was supposed to do and needed to do. And so we made the jump. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate that this company that I had joined at the time, they were just kind of trying to understand the Internet as well because, you know, this was like 2000. And so Google wasn't even a big deal then. You know, Google at that time, I don't even remember what percentage of search that they had available at the time or the market share that they had Um but yeah, that was that was kind of the journey, and, and you know, just get in there and get dirty and try to figure things out and make things happen, and just you know, wait for the opportunities and take advantage of when they come. Now, during that period, I remember because I I graduated from business school around that time period um, that you were jumping into the internet business, and I remember that um, some of my classmates did you know get jobs with Microsoft and. You know, um, they were doing quite well, but in general, um, a lot of things were happening where there was a recession, and and you had to weather all that stuff when we were going through some tough times in the economy. Yeah, that was the dot com bust, right? Right around yes. that time. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, um, the company that I had joined didn't. It, I wouldn't say they were very lucrative. They were just kind of on the cusp of kind of breaking out. I think they might have been about three million dollars a year before the year before I got there, and so re- a relatively small company. And it was I was the thirtieth employee at the time, and uh, but they were very forward looking and futuristic uh, on where we were headed. And so I think that's one of the things you need to look for in the company that you're with is not a company that's stagnated, but a company that's 
you know, innovating and, and growing or looking to grow. Now, you got promoted within the company. So where did you start and, and uh, how long did it take you to get promoted to you know, that higher level? You were making six figures. Yeah, um, the first when I first started, I started out as part of their internet business team, and I was hired in as actually as a programmer. But the way that I'm wired is more of a digital entrepreneur, and so I like to you know use technology to accomplish business goals and business things. Um, I love the marketing side of it. I love the business side of it. I love and I love the technology side of it. Uh, these days, I would rather somebody else do the technology part for me, uh, but I still like it and I still understand it and I still love learning about it. And so that's kind of the 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 way that I entered into the company. And so from the company's mindset, what I ended up doing during my career there is helping the company transition into the digital age. And so we had about 12 different businesses within this company and I was able to support all 12 of them and with their digital vision, that's online sales, online business models, all of those kinds of things. And, um, as I was able to prosper and do that and do it fairly well, um, you know, new opportunities came. And so my, so did my title and so did my income grow alongside that, um, yeah, so I ended up when I wrapped up my career there in 2016, I, I closed up shop as a, the chief operations officer on the board of directors. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it, it was a fun ride. It was a fun ride, a good 15 year ride. So that yeah, that was actually a great decision in the end, and um, you learned quite a bit about the whole online internet. You know how that all dynamics uh, works, so that. You can make money in that area, and and not only make money in that area, but also you were you were selling financial education products and and services. So it was like it was like a whole immersion into, you know, the whole change in the economy towards online business as well as learning finance. You know, while you were doing it. Yeah, it was it was a great journey, and I think that's one of the things I appreciate the most about being there is just the opportunity to be exposed to so many different things. A lot of companies you can work for and only get exposed to one business vertical, um, and this company I was able to be exposed to you know twelve different business verticals. Um, and what I mean by that is different markets, uh, whether it was B two B, B two C, or you know a church market, or radio online market, or any of those kinds of things. It was just very a very rich experience. Well, we're going to take a break and come back. Uh, we're going to take a brief commercial break and we'll learn about the 10 keys that Tony has given us. And it's actually in his book as well to become the millionaire. So stay tuned and we're going to cut to a break right now. I am Eileen Mendel, founder and CEO of The Balanced Millionaire. Who are we and what is our mission? We are a strategic business advisory firm dedicated to advancing leadership and business growth. Listen to what our clients have to say about us. I was blessed to meet Eileen. She has done numerous things for my business, from giving me professional advice to introducing me to new connections and going as far as finding me new team members. I cannot say enough about her and her business for the help they have given to my company. I've been working with the Balanced Millionaires team 
They've helped me in setting up a concrete plan to get my business to the next level. Eileen is a cheering, inspiring and benevolent advisor. Knowing that she's gone through the same challenges gives me the confidence that I'm on the right track. If you are a growing seven or eight figure business that is ready to reach new heights, contact us at info at thebalancemillionaire.com. That's info at thebalancemillionaire.com. My business has lost its upward momentum. I'm working up to 14 hours a day, but my sales seem to have plateaued. I'm so overwhelmed. I used to have that same problem, but ever since I found the Balanced Millionaire Consulting Firm, our sales and profits have risen sharply. Even our staff is more engaged, and the atmosphere is full of energy. I have no time to work on my business to develop new sales and marketing strategies. I would love to expand, have strategic partnerships, and access to financing. You can do all of that and more. The Balanced Millionaire Consulting Team advises you on streamlining your operations, establishing alliances, and most importantly, increasing your revenues and profits. Let us help you build value and reduce stress in your business. Take charge. Don't let your business control your life. Visit TheBalancedMillionaire.com or call 442-224-0160 for a free consultation. That's 442-224-0160 or TheBalancedMillionaire.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Eileen Mendel with The Balanced Millionaire, and I have as my guest Anthony Bradshaw, who goes by Tony. And Tony, um, he was just describing his his history of how he got involved in building up an income so he became a millionaire at the age of 40. So, Tony, um, you have a book called Millionaire Choice, and I would like you to go through the 10 keys of becoming the millionaire, the 10 keys that are very important for our listeners. Yeah, sure. I'd love to do that. Um, the one thing I would like to say right out of the gate is, you know, the, the reason I called the book The Millionaire Choice is because I really do believe that becoming a millionaire is a choice. And just like I made that choice at age 25, and as I was writing the book, I came across more and more people that made those choices at different ages. Uh, probably the most impressive one was a young man that made his choice at age five. And he decided he didn't want to live in poverty and he wanted to become wealthy. And he was able to become a millionaire at age 25. And so, you know, I had thought I, I thought I had done pretty well by becoming a millionaire at age 40 until I met, you know, people that did it by age 25 and people that did it by age 30. And so suddenly I didn't feel so special. But I also realized that there really are no excuses. You know, anybody can do it. You just have to make the right life choices and right money choices to get there. And and that's really what my book's all about is just helping people make the choice and, and create their own millionaire plan. So let me get into it. Uh, I think what's different about my book than some of the other books that are out there, and feel free to interrupt me as we go through this, is uh, it's it's more than just money. A lot of the money books actually just focus on money. And really, if you want to have a successful life, you have to focus on more than just the money topic. And so my first key out of the 10 keys is you, I believe you have to develop strong character because I don't believe you can build or keep wealth unless you have strong character. I think our society shows a lot of people who made a lot of money who end up broke and because their character wasn't the best. And uh, 
and they needed to, you know, make maybe some different life choices to land there. So I think that's extremely important. And I only deal with five five dimensions of character. You could go into all kinds, but for the book's sake, I had to keep it tight. And uh, so those deal with integrity, responsibility, work ethic, uh, self-discipline, and focus, those five areas, because those are the five areas that I think uh, most contribute to your ability to be successful and uh, you know to, to get your money in order and do those things. Next on the list would be uh, maximizing your time. A lot of people waste a lot of time. Um, you know, Statistically, the average American watches about 120 hours of television a month. And so that's about 30 hours a week, which is roughly equivalent to a full-time job. And so uh, when you think about the numbers and you go, what am I doing with my life? Well, everybody has the same amount of daylight time, the same amount of evening time. It's just what you do with that time that really determines you know, where you end up in life uh, and uh, barring some, you know, extenuating circumstances. But, you know, even people who with disabilities, um, they make really good life choices. They're able to end up in very successful places. And, and it's because of what they did with their time. They didn't waste it. And then after you get through those first two that are about character and time, you know, you start to get into the money aspect a little bit. And so my key number three is get money smart. I believe you, everybody kind of starts in the same place. I don't care if you're Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, some of the richest people in the world. Um, they didn't they weren't born with knowledge about money. They had to learn it at some point in their lives. And so I believe you got to take time to get money smart, just like you learn about math, English and science in school for 12 years, and then if you go off to college, you get some additional lessons on that. You have to take time to learn about money if you want to be successful with money, and so you have to get money smart, but you have to put the time into it. And then number four is you need to find a money mentor. So can you imagine learning English or or math or science without a teacher in school? Um, it would just be extremely difficult, and so I believe you need a money mentor in your life to kind of guide you. And so that you make a few less mistakes. And so hopefully somebody that's smarter than you with money is there to, to walk alongside you to help you make the right decisions. And so that's extremely important. And uh, and then number five would be watch your money, which is budgeting. If you want to keep track of your money, you need to do that. If you're Otherwise, it's going to slip through your fingers just like sand. And um, you don't want that. That's your that's your opportunity. Watching your money and keeping track of it is your opportunity to, to build wealth for yourself and your family and to change your life. Number six, uh, avoid your personal debt. Uh, I believe debt's your enemy, and so I like to cover what's called a debt demolition. Uh, and so I like to destroy your debt before your debt destroys you. That's kind of my mindset. Um, people don't really realize what debt does to their future, but once you start learning about money, you start to realize that what a, what kind of impact debt can have on your future. Uh, for example, you know the average car today is about thirty. Car note is about thirty five thousand dollars financed over seven years, which equates out to like a $500 a month car payment. And uh, that's just a really bad formula for your future and your finances. And so when you start playing that math out, what it would mean to be in debt for your car versus investing that money, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in your future just by buying a new car. And so by the time you play the math out, especially if you're in your 20s when you do it, and then after that, after you get through the debt and the money and the budgeting, you start getting into things like you know you need to keep your expenses low. So a lot of people, when their incomes go up, they start uh, raising their expenses. And so they buy the new car, buy the bigger house, whatever those things are that they spend money on, they just ratchet up their, li their lifestyle along with their income. And before they know it, they wasted their income and their raises. And so it's very important to kind of keep track of those expenses. Um, you don't buy things you don't need. 
Number eight would be save and invest aggressively. So a lot of Americans, and this is what I find, uh, even in the, the area that I've grew up in and the friends and family that I have, is a lot of Americans don't even believe that the stock market is an option for them. They're very suspicious of it. And so therefore they stay away from it and they don't really take advantage of the tools that are available for them to build wealth and to, you know, to become wealthy. And so they continue to repeat the cycle of going to work, spending their money and going back to work and spending more of their money rather than learning how to, you know, build an income or pat what we call passive income uh, through investments or, you know, through real estate. And so that's very important. And, then the last two are fairly simple. Uh, you know, boost your income. I think a lot of people, especially in middle America, kind of get income lock. And so I was there for a while where you just get stuck. And so um, I mentioned earlier that I had a 40000 roughly $40,000 year income. The idea of making $100,000 was just a foreign concept to me. But now that I've done it, I know that it's a very doable thing, and I don't believe that I'm anything special. So why should I be the only one that's able to do that? And so I believe other people can do that as well. And then once you learn all this money stuff, it's really important to put it together into a plan. So I, I want people to create a millionaire plan just like I did. And my plan had me laid out to be a millionaire at age 40. Um, other people, it may take longer or some people may do it a lot faster. And so – but the reality is if you want to get across the goal line, you know, you think about football – their whole goal is to get across that goal line to score that touchdown. And so I want you to draw a line in the sand that says, this is the day that I plan on becoming a millionaire. And, uh, and yeah, and that's, that's really what my book's all about. It, it ties all of these things together to try to give people uh, a holistic financial plan. And I don't believe my book's like the end of the world. I think it's kind of like a starting foundation to try to get people on track and goes back to you know learning about money. I just think it's one of the steps along the way. Now, you learned about money because you worked for a financial education firm. How do you um, suggest our audience you know, take those steps to learn about money? I mean, you can hire a financial advisor or CFP. I mean, what, what do you recommend from your, you know, uh, from your own experience? Yeah, I, I recommend a couple of approaches. Uh, one was I believe that nobody cares about your money more than you do. And so I think it's very dangerous to just trust a financial advisor on what you should do with your cash and um, how to invest it. And the other thing is a financial advisor usually is only going to tell you to invest in the stock market. And uh, you will. I think it's a rare thing to find a financial advisor that's going to tell you to put money into real estate. And the reason for that is financial advisors don't get paid when you put money in real estate. They get paid when you put money in the stock market. And so it's – it's. Um, while it's a good thing to invest in the stock market, I don't think it's the only thing you should be doing. And so you need to learn on your own you know, some of these other opportunities um, to be able to invest. So I think you need you got to look at it as a journey. So it's not like you do just one thing in your life, and that's the thing you do the rest of your life. It's like you learn a bit, and what you learn today, you apply it to the best of your ability, and then you continue learning until you learn something else you need to apply. And so what I mean by that is, you know, kind of the entry level would be to go, hey, I need to start investing, but I don't know anything about investing. So let me get with a financial advisor. That's going to do two things for you. One, it's going to help you start investing, but it's also going to give you somebody that you can talk to about money and what to do with it. And then you need to go to the second step, which is go, I need to learn. So let me either subscribe to some magazines or, you know, listen to some blogs. I'm sorry, listen to some podcasts or read some blogs, whatever these digital formats are. But the, it's really about changing your mindset and going, I need to continue learning 
throughout my lifetime. Um, even if it's just a little bit each month or a little bit each day or a little bit each year, just continue that journey once you start it. And it'll be amazing where you end up. So for yourself, um, not to get into too much detail, but um, what sort of investments do you find are going to be the most beneficial for anyone, you know, especially someone who's young, to get started in their investing, you know, because a lot of people, you know, don't have enough money to buy a house outright or, you know, to, uh, to buy property. And then there's the mutual funds, which, you know, really after you take management fees out, you know, you, your net is, is not that much more than a bank. Um, so what do what are you suggesting, um, in terms of, you know, where, where does one start when they are, um, you know, just so new in this whole area. Yeah, I think you've got to start with what's available to you. And and so I personally, if I was at a company that had a 401k, I would start with a 401k. And the reason I would do that is because you're getting a 100% return on your money for the money that you first put in. So whatever the, the, the company's match is, you've got to take that money. Because if you're investing in, you know, a stock market mutual fund, and let's say it's getting 10% return a year on average over the long term, as the S&P index fund would be, then it takes you about seven years to double your money, right? And so, right. but if you invest in a 401k with a match, you're doubling your money in the first year for that amount that you put in. And I think that's a great uh, a great starter investment, especially for somebody that's not uh, really that well experienced. I think it's very important to make sure you pick the right mutual fund inside of that 401k because there's so many options. It is possible for people to pick a bad mutual fund inside of their 401k or one that doesn't have good return. And I, I, I do just caution people, you know, as I said before, no one cares about your money more than you do. And that includes the guy managing the 401k for the company. Uh, my experience has been that the 401k managers really – are not managing the funds. They're really just collecting the money and then collecting the fees for the money that they're managing. If that makes sense. Um, they're not really going through each person's portfolio and seeing if you have the good, the best investments for yourself, that that's responsibility still lies on you. And, uh, so that's why you have to keep educating yourself and learning. But I would start with a 401k, uh, for somebody that's not experienced in investing, um, after that, and the reason I would do that is because of this one is the match, but also the tax benefits. And then if you don't have that available to you, then I would actually look into IRAs, um, whether that's self-directed IRA or whether it's you know a simple IRA under uh, a management company. Um, those are options that I think are are really well available to you know every American can do those things. And I think those are the safest ways to go initially. And then after that, when you get a little bit more experience, I would start expanding uh, past that, You know, looking into things like um, REITs, real estate investment trust. You mentioned a lot of people don't have the ability to buy real estate like a property, or do they want the, um, the risk that comes from you know, financing a rental property? And so uh, I think a REIT is a really good option for somebody that wants to get outside of the stock market, but actually still have a like a real estate type investment that's yeah that's a good suggestion uh, i used to be a financial advisor so yeah you're right on target on that um as far as um 
blog or blogs or podcasts, is there some that you can direct uh, some of the listeners to that would help them? Yeah, a few of the ones that are my favorites right now um, would be, I really like the Stack and Benjamin show with Joe Sahey, Joe Saul Sahey. Um, it's been around for about eight years, and they do a great job of covering kind of what's going on in the market, but also giving some really good, solid financial information and having some great guests. And uh, it's very entertaining, too. So, you know, learning about money can be a little bit dull at times, so it's fun to listen to somebody who makes it fun. Um how do, you, you know, you, how do you spell Joe's last name? S T A. Uh, say he is S E H Y. Okay, so Joe say he, and what's the title of the show again? The or, Stacking Benjamins or Stacking Benjamins. Stacking Benjamins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's a great show. Um, now you like to focus on how to build your income and grow your income. So if you know Grant Cardone's a great option for that. He's a, a master salesman, I think. And a really solid business guy. And so that would be a great inspiration for people who want to stay pumped up and hyped up about uh, growing their income and uh, achieving a lot of, you know, high levels of success, I think would be the best way to say it. Um, You know, and those are two good options, I think, for people in general. Okay. So those people who are new to financial investing, or even if you're seasoned, um, you can get a lot out of uh, listening to some of the podcasts and uh, and blogs. And uh, also, uh, if you want to go to some uh, websites or blogs, where would you go? Yeah, probably one of the best ones for people in the middle income uh, segment um, would be the Penny Hoarder. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. It's one of the top money sites. It was founded by a young man who got out of college and had a lot of student loan debt. And if I remember correctly, I think he had about $20,000 in student loan debt, which, you know, for college students graduating, that sounds like a lot of money. And uh, really decided to kind of turn that thing around. So he just started blogging back in like 2012. And that site's blown up and it just has a tremendous amount of traffic, great information, um, how to live on a budget, how to, you know, manage your money more effectively. And yeah, just a great, great site overall, thepennyhoarder.com. Well, that sounds like a good one to go to, uh, particularly, like you said, um, I remember being, you know, uh, in debt from student loans. And I think there's a lot of um, lot of people out there that are finishing up either their undergrad or graduate work and finding themselves like, OK, the first off job offer is not going to help me that much to pay <laughs> Pay off that student debt, so it's more uh, managing the lifestyle, so you can get out of that debt much faster. Absolutely, yeah. We're dealing with that. Just being transparent, uh, my oldest son's in college right now. He's twenty six. I have six children, by the way, and so it's. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get them all through college, and you know, and not go broke doing it. <laughs> and so my oldest is in school, and we're paying his way, but at the same time, I don't want to shoulder the entire burden for him and make it too easy. And so we're managing that student loan element. Um, At first, when they first started, I was like, I don't really want my children to have any student loan debt. But then the more I think about it, I'm like, why is it falling on my shoulders when it's the education is going to benefit him? And so I've decided I'm going to let them adopt some student loan. I think that's going to be healthy, and I, and, a, and at least if we manage it at the level where they can, you know, keep it, get out from under it rel- relatively quickly. 
I think that's a wise choice. That's what my own family did. My dad, you know, said, um, now that we, you know, signed, co-signed for your student loan, you have to pay it off. And that's a valuable lesson right there. So I think um, parents, you know, should should uh, think about that when they are financing the student's uh, education, their kids' education. Uh, what else can you tell us about, you said, save aggressively and invest. Um, so is that, how do you figure that out? How much, what percentage these days does one need to save of their income for investments? Yeah, so I think traditional wisdom when you talk to a financial planner and the number that kind of floats around out there the most is, you know, the savings rate. So when you look at different countries, whether it be Japan, America, Canada, or wherever, uh, Americans, from if I remember the statistic, actually have a negative savings rate. And so when you look at America as a whole, Americans are not saving money. They're not investing money as a whole. Okay, across the, the people group. Um, but a financial planner and the number that floats around is, you, you know, you need to save and invest about 15 percent of your income. Um, I personally don't like the percentage number because it's not absolute. So if you're, say, a low income or middle income, say $50,000 a year and you save 15 percent, well, then you don't really have a lot of money at the end of the day if that's the amount you save. So I like to change the way that you think about it and go, let's look at our living expenses and keep that as low as possible, but let's look at our wealth money and let's put as much money into that as we can in the season that we're in. Okay. And so, you know, it's it earlier in your life, you might be able to only put 5% in, but you want to consciously go, I need to ratchet that number up. And so at my peak, we were probably putting anywhere from 60 to 75% in uh, a month into our wealth money bucket. Um, that's because our expenses weren't crazy and because we had some specific financial goals like paying off our house. And so I like to say that $10,000 a year is kind of like the minimum floor. And the reason I pull that number out is because I know if I put an absolute number in like $10,000 per year, then I know based on my age about where that's going to end up and I can ratchet that number up. And so uh, I would say your floor should be at ten grand, and it's going to base on your age and where you are in life, right? So you have to look at all your situations. So you can't just say that's the right number. You have to look at take everything in holistically. But I want people to put that number down as a goal, and then once they hit that goal, I want them to start asking the question: How can I double that number? How can I go from ten grand a year to twenty grand a year? And then once you hit twenty, how can you ratchet it up to thirty or forty grand a year? And it's amazing what the human mind and the human uh, – just who we are as people will be able to do once you set goals in front of you like that. You typically figure it out, right? And right. so you may not have the answer today, but you can figure it out tomorrow. Now, for those who have their own businesses, um, a lot of times it's hard to put that money away initially because you want to reinvest and, and scale your business. So – now, now that you're an independent entrepreneur, what are your suggestions for those who own their own businesses? I think it's just being honest with yourself. Um, I've counseled some business people that were, you know, four, five, six years into their business, and they weren't making any money doing it, um, and they were actually, in some cases, losing money. Like they might be, their spouse may be making money, and the family's living off the spouse's income. 
and their business really isn't making any money. And I think you just have to be honest with yourself and go, what is really going on here? Am I in the middle of a successful business or do I need to go back to the drawing board? But at some point, you have to start uh, paying yourself. You know, whatever that number is, uh, you, you've got to be able to do that. And whether it's not, you know, you're one, I'll be honest with you right now, uh, this is a new business for me. So I've stepped out of corporate America uh, to basically fill this market need of helping people with their finances. I think there's a huge people group that's not getting the help that they need because, you, you know, for you can't make money off broke people. And so a lot of these financial companies, financial education companies are not going to where the broke people are, if that makes sense to you, that, you know, you, you have to be able to, to, to make money as a business. So what I'm trying to do with this business is figure out how to create a business model that can help the people that aren't being helped. And so, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, what I'm doing right now is living off of money I've made in the past to do this startup. So I'm, I'm cash flowing my own business but I've got to get it to a place where I'm financially profitable as well. And so, you know, there's got to be a, a line there that says, hey, this is this is my line. I got to draw a line in the sand and accomplish that. And so, uh, you know, tightly managing things. But at some point, you know, you got to you got to pay. You got to pay yourself. Exactly. And, you know, like you said, um, sometimes, you know, it could take a few years to get, you know, profitable in a business that you're starting from the ground up. Because you're not, it's not a legacy business. It's something that you've just, as you said, you know, you just started recently. Um, and uh, you just have to manage as much as you can with as little expenses, as few expenses as you can to keep growing. Yeah, and I think, uh, just adding to that, and you know this, is, you know this as well as I do, you've got to spend the money in the right places. Well, we're running out of time. Is there anything you'd like to tell our audience before we say goodbye to to them to, uh, for the show? Yeah, just this one thing. Uh, anyone can become a millionaire. Why not you? Good, good question. Um, and again, uh, what is the web address and the best way to reach you, Anthony? Yeah, themillionairechoice.com. That's themillionairechoice.com. It's got uh, we're running a free special on the book right now. If you want a copy of my book, you can go there and pick it up for free. Excellent. So I enjoy talking to you and we'll look forward to um, future uh, conversations uh, where um, people are looking for some uh, help with their finances. Thank you so much for being on our show tonight. Thank you for having me, Eileen. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning into The Balanced Millionaire with your host, Eileen Mendel, business consultant, multimedia marketing expert, renowned speaker and author. Connect with Eileen Mendel, The Balanced Millionaire. Increase your confidence, creativity, balance, awareness, direction, motivation, and catapult your business to the next level and beyond.